A new year is just around the corner, and that particular time is always a great opportunity to look back and reflect. However, it's also essential to look ahead as well and understand the forces that will shape the coming year. This is a business podcast, so accordingly, we'll look at economic trends, markets, industries, global commerce, and businesses worldwide for the year ahead. 2024 promises to be a pivotal year with major shifts in technology, political economy, and evolving factors. AI is already a force that's reshaping industries, so what breakthroughs can we expect in 2024? And how will businesses leverage AI to stay ahead of the curve? Also, in a matter of days, the UAE, along with other countries, will join a new economic bloc called BRICS. So what implications does that hold for global economic dynamics, and how might it influence trade and investment? Global economies as well have been recovering and adapting for years now, so what are the driving factors in 2024, and how can businesses navigate the inflationary waters? This is Business Extra Podcast, coming to you from the National News in Abu Dhabi, and I'm your host, Cody Combs, future editor for The National. Joining me today is an analyst with a keen eye for market dynamics and economic shifts. I have here in the studio Sam Blattis, a co-founder and CEO of the Mena Catalysts, which is a government relations and market entry setup for high-tech multinationals. Sam, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Good beer. So it's a broad question, but to set the tone, what are the major factors impacting global economies right now, and how is this affecting business? Three items. One is um, regulations increasingly driving the strategic agenda. Two is the changes in financial allocation of capital. Three is we're increasingly seeing the split screen image of between the, the dark ages and the silicon ages that I can talk to you more about between governments. So with the split-screen image, can you extrapolate on that a little bit? Yes. Essentially, it's a two-level game, politics and uh, technology. In the Middle East, actually, the the Gulf is moving light years ahead economically, regulatory-wise, attracting foreign investment, while a number of of, uh, industries have run into challenges Um, operationally, in terms of policy stability, in the Levant right now with the war in in Gaza and with the war in Ukraine. There are, we're seeing the revenge of geopolitics and how external events can make a mockery of even the best laid uh, business plans and how basically politics can trump economics or I guess in sort of shaping market outcomes. On the, so that's kind of a bit on the geopolitics. On the uh, technology side, we're seeing a growing kind of divergence from wealthy AI-friendly countries and poorer countries or ones that are focused a bit more on protecting the past from the future. In the region, which countries would you classify as AI-friendly? Well. I would say at least um, UAE and Saudi Arabia are embracing AI, not as a nice-to-have capability, but they're almost reinventing the term IT. A long time ago, we used to talk about information technology, and then that kind of became stale, and we started for many years, the world 
uh, spoke just simplified and just talked about technology. Now we need to bring back that word information. And I think people in UAE and Saudi Arabia's leadership get that. They are basically, I think through AI, we're going to be, we're seeing a lot of growing use cases in both countries for helping, for using AI, not just to find data and URL links, but to help us find answers. And I think they're scratching the surface of what's possible, and I can't wait to see what they do next. As you already said, 2023 has been all about AI for the most part, at least in the tech realm, business world. It took almost all the oxygen out of the room. In that realm, what specific advancements or breakthroughs do you anticipate will have a profound impact on businesses in 2024? One is that a growing number of brand name fintech and crypto companies expanding in the Gulf, I believe, are going to grow a bit tired of professional service providers uh, providing information in their own narrow lanes, legal services, compliance services, and consulting services. Part of the reason is because there's, with AI, it throws into stark contrast that professional service providers that people would go to because they are supposed specialists with massive amounts of current business-relevant information at their fingertips, that's increasingly becoming obsolete. I think that over the net, we're already seeing, but over the next few months, certainly we're going to see not incremental, but exponential growth in companies expanding here, coming to the realization that professional service providers have been great ways to burn through a lot of time, pain, money, effort without implementing their priorities that do. And also we're going to see on the other, to be balanced, we're going to see a growing number of companies um, continue to adopt this do-it-yourself approach of expanding in the Gulf. And that is also um, kind of this quiet dilemma that they face with it's basically a way to burn through also a lot of time, pain, money, effort. It's kind of one of the silent um, revenue killers out there. I think the professional service providers, unfortunately, there's a, I think AI will throw into stark contracts that they are maybe not measuring up and providing the right level of service technologically, economically, ethically. And increasingly, I think companies will look for turnkey solutions that don't narrowly look at, like right now when a company expands out here, they hire a compliance firm, a law firm, a consulting firm, all these, you know, logistics firm. And for companies that are just kind of feeling their way around, it's tough. And um, so I could see, I mean, at the core of the white collar workforce in the GCC, there's, uh, I mean, if you look at the knowledge worker economy here, a lot of them are providing professional services, a lot of them. And I don't, I think journalists, uh, though my friends are journalists, respectfully, who have brilliant minds, they might embrace or understand that AI is coming. But in the legal field, in many, in the real estate, many professional services, um, there's only a recognition, oh, well, uh, this is, AI might be suited for the back office. And it can help a little bit with automation, right? But not the hard work that I do every day. Um, and I can talk to you more about this. For as much as we've covered AI, there does seem to be a huge chasm between what is being written about it 
and all the concerns that people have, rightfully or wrongly, and what people are actually kind of internalizing. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that people come to a realization with that. Beyond AI, are there any emerging technologies out there that excite you or you think are going to have a big impact on 2024? In the in the Gulf? Yeah. Yes. The rise of the crypto and fintech worlds here are going to reshape the digital economies um, as we know it. And that is because if you think of the economy here as almost a human body, where the imagine the heart was the was the banks that was pumping the blood around your cells to get it to the places that it would need it the most and grow the most, right? Kind of like financial allocators would. And we see that, you know, if you want to, when you look at these inspiring plans like Vision 2071 or Vision 2030 in Saudi, they want to compete in the Olympics. And if we're using an old smoker's heart, have you ever seen an x-ray, if you can imagine, yeah, it's of, a, a, of, of the heart of a smoking addict? It's quite disgusting, right? It's well, that's Latin, right? Is that the technical, <laughs> that's, that's the technical not the phrase, term, yeah, right? That's the, leaves something to be desired, right. though. Yeah, and uh, I believe that one headwind for a lot of changes is that incumbents sadly write the rules of the game. It's often easier to do nothing. And do, doing nothing is also a, a choice. Um, there's a lot of in every country in the world. Um, there's People invested in the status quo, understandably. Anyway, what I'm getting at is, yeah, I mean, like, if you're trying to run in the Olympics with a smoking a smoker's heart, it's difficult. I think when I listen, honestly, to Abu Dhabi leaders, and they are 20 to 30 years into the future of their neighbors to their east, to um, to their north, to their <laughs> some parts of their west, um, and they actually want to protect the future from the past, which is so amazing. I'm not saying everyone in the country is like that, but, but the leaders, I mean, like world-class athletes, truly. I'm not, and I'm not on their, I'm not on the payroll. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, that my clients are only global high-tech multinationals exploring, entering, or, or expanding here. It's private sector. The phrase fintech. Yes. I mean, it's been, since 2010, it has just been used over and over again. It almost gets diluted. Mm. Can you kind of synthesize what that means to you and what that means to the layperson? Because it gets used so often. I feel like everybody throws, this is our latest fintech solution, or latest in the, what? How would you summarize yeah, it? How you and how is it also, it's, it's also really important to maybe distinguish it from tech fin, right? Yeah, fintech is, I think what listeners need to know is it's a, a way, it's a, it's a whole field, it's, it's it's a vast growing community of people, yeah, that in a sector that want to that are that are disrupting and reinventing how financial s- services are are provided um, to become more efficient, to become higher impact, higher uh, more productive. Um, but I, I think it, it's 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 a very broad topic. I mean, again, we I could give you a legal a Webster definition of of innovation or a few other terms, but I think the core for me, what delimits it, is the reinvention of financial services, a whole range of financial services from on one end of the spectrum, um, processing payments, uh, KYC. Um, I mean, it could be involved. It should be involved in every 
part of the supply chain of providing financial services. And I think this is really important because unlike almost any other technology, this affects people's lives, their livelihoods. If we get something wrong in some parts of tech, it's okay. But it's not a coincidence that across Earth, 99% of countries, the closer you get to money, the more regulated it becomes, understandably. I want to pivot a little bit to talk about BRICS, the BRICS block of developing nations. Yep. It's going to formally admit the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, along with other countries on the 1st of January. Mm. The bloc's current members are China, the world's second largest economy, Brazil, Russia, India, and South Africa. This block is home to about 40% of the world's population and a quarter of global gross domestic product. What would joining mean for the UAE economy and the companies operating here in the UAE? It's like building a house. Before the third floor, we go build the first floor together. I think this directly aligns organically with um, the UA's approach. We're going to be friends with everyone and enemies with no one. We're going to have an approach of principled neutralism combined with kind of a forward-thinking, broadly diversified economic strategy. I think the impacts will cascade. Um, first, it's like you're in a relationship, right? Before rushing into something more, um, it first starts with feelers and getting to know each other. And, and this helps move from the personalization to institutionalization of a whole set of relationships. I wouldn't overanalyze it though. I think I'm not sure what the BRICS organization has actually, I haven't studied it enough of what it has actually done. Um, as a body, it's a significant group of governments, the bilateral relationships in there. Three of them are continent-sized countries. All four of them, um, the the largest crypto company in the world is facing acute regulatory storms in finance. It's not the only part of the world, but um, how they embrace AI, crypto, fintech, parts, kind of some of the, the building blocks or the emerging building blocks of, of Gulf. Uh, econ- economic plans. It's going to be so different than how this story evolved in the U.S. or Western European capitals. Let's talk a little bit about Binance. Let's pivot a little bit. What do we make of crypto in 2024? 2023, it sticks out in my mind at least. You have the the issues with Binance. You mm. also have the issue with FTX still ongoing. Is that just sort of a a bump in the road or is there going to be something more to come out of that in 2024? I mean, it, it's it's not stopping crypto momentum, but it is causing people to, I don't say second thoughts is too strong of a word. They're taking a more critical look at it. Where do you see it going in 2024? Yes. So first of all, the halving coming up when they um, slash returns on mining uh, prices that might come up in March or April, we're seeing different times when it will um, actually happen. Um, and that would lead to um, a, a spike in, in price, a further spike in prices. I mean, look, when when CZ uh, came out about um, the the jail sentences he might be facing in the states, the price of crypto I think went up two like percent that day. Crypto's outperformed like Wall Street darling stocks like Shopify and Tesla over the last twelve months. Um, what basically in terms of where it's going over 2024, look, I'd say macro level, 
this regulatory winter of probes, investigations, crackdowns, rising taxes in many other global crypto hotspots. Singapore um, has 17%, 15 to 17%. Uh, at least 15% corporate income tax. They have 15 to 17% withholding tax. Um, Cayman Islands just strengthened their crypto act called the VASP Act, um, Virtual Asset Service Provider Act. Um, BVI, uh, British Virgin Islands, is um, finally implementing some of their crypto legislation in a more serious fashion. Um, and they don't necessarily have real or significant uh, proximity to capital in the same way that Abu Dhabi does, or ADG, the same way that ADGM might might have. Um, look, I, I essentially think it, just looking at the geometry of 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 growing um, calls to crack down on crypto legislatively and um, politically and financially in terms of taxes. When you contrast that with this part of the world, where you have the rise of Generation Y leaders, patient capital. I wouldn't say this place any I don't say I think it's an oversimplification to call any part of the world pro crypto or anti crypto but they're not hostile and they have young leaders not afraid of technology um which reminds me of a little bit of uh, the early days of places where I'm from in Silicon Valley a bit more than it does remind me of um some older more traditional societies. Look, I think that um, over 2024, you're going to see a growing number of crypto companies that are going to be raising their flag, establishing offices here with budgets, authorities, headcount um, that you're not going to see in many parts of the world. And that's going to bring with it jobs. It's going to bring with it a whole range of things. I, I, I think a major thing on the, like the practical way that people will feel it day-to-day here, we're already seeing growing adoption of crypto. Like People often ask, okay, but what can you use it for? There's a growing number of restaurants in the UAE, um, um, flights, hotel reservations that you can use, that you can use now, uh, crypto. Um, remittances, it's, it's growing. Online e-commerce, it's growing. The ability to transact. So these, all these, these things, they might seem incremental, but they're growing um, adoption and then on top of that, the government actually, like regulatory stability is key. And the government now, ADGM, for instance, granting provisional licenses to Copper, to Paxos, to like, these are like not insignificant companies. Copper is a world-class company out of the UK and Paxos is in the, is in the States. Nomura got a major license in Dubai recently. And they're bucking the trend. The easiest thing in the world for this part of the region to do would be just to bandwagon behind Europe or the States and, or mainland China, and they're going in a different direction, which I think makes a ton of sense because they realize at the core, this is, and I'm not speaking for anybody, I'm just summarizing it in a way maybe that uh, people outside the region can understand. We're racing toward 2024. We're actually in 1876, the year of the first oil wildcat discovery where you had it was before the invention of the automobile these oil wildcats and then you would have you know people would invent lubricants and heating lamp oils and stuff like that and then prices would soar and then another oil wildcat would come in it would go from boom to bust to boom again does this sound familiar a little bit 
right? And I think, yeah. So the and this, yeah, again, this is twenty years before the car was made. I don't think um, that a lot of the use cases for crypto have been written yet. And I mean, it's remarkable just when you have a brand new platform. Like what's happened in other sectors when you have certain like a whole new playing field to operate from in a different sector. Um, I mean, like Uber, would that have ever been created if you didn't have some of these game-changing technologies underpinning us, at the, um, you know, with the GPS system, with the proliferation of, of phones and whatnot? I'll get more into that later. But to focus on crypto for a second, um, look, you know how much money global central banks uh, printed from COVID? Do you want to take a guess? No, I couldn't. I- About $34 trillion. Now, what's global GDP? It's only about $86 trillion. Think about that. So what I'm getting at is I'm not advocating anybody invest money in any of these sectors. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to try to call balls and strikes, sorry for the American expression. (laughs) Um, But it doesn't withstand scrutiny to put all your money into one sector. And also, I don't think withstand scrutiny to not explore diversifying away from like only fiat based investments or fiat tied investments, at least, you know, a small percent, like 1% under a percent to a range of diversified currencies. I think that aligned to what we're briefly talking before about BRICS also, I mean, this has nothing to do with, I think this is a lot deeper than hedging against the U S I think it goes to the heart of the UAE's diversification approach um, for foreign policy and markets and um, but also economically too to um, like okay how you know for the first time in history the time it's going to take you know this place to or Saudi to um, and Abu Dhabi and Saudi this is one thing I really respect about Abu Dhabi leaders honestly is that some of them have been open even on TV saying that you know, for the first time in history, the time it will take for us to meaningfully alleviate away from oil is now shorter than the time it's going to take electric vehicles to get to critical mass. And that, that's a shift. I mean, that takes real courage. I don't think an American politician would ever have confidence to be able to openly. I mean, that takes leadership or vision. Anyway, so um, look, on, on crypto, it, <laughs> it's, uh, you have a fixed supply, unlike the dollars. We talked about dollars, right? And uh, here we know exactly how many Bitcoin there are in the world. No, but that's the problem. Nobody can, t- after all this printing of U.S. dollars, no one can tell me how many dollars exist in the world. And I just tell family, I'm like, you know, before you invest in anything, I'd like to know how many of that thing exists in the world. If it's a piece of artwork, whatever it is. Anyway, so, does that begin to answer yeah, your question? Yeah, no, it does. And it's interesting. You, you touched about the early, early days of the oil industry. It reminds me... And I'm kind of grossly oversimplifying this. It reminds me a little bit of the dot-com bubble initially burst and you had a lot of people sort of say, okay, well, that that's that. It's lights out, whereas couldn't have been further from the truth. You had a couple dot-com companies go under, but at the end of the day, that was just a drop in the bucket. You have all these – if those companies come out a little bit later or there's mobile phones that exist back in 1999, they would have had plenty of runway. For success, it kind of, I mean, just basically, I think what happened with FTX and Binance, what's happening, I should say, um, it's just going to be a blip on the screen. Correct well, me if I'm wrong. I don't know. Look, I, 
in terms of what's going to happen, a line of the theme of this great series you have, it's critical, I think, just to look at the, the facts. Maybe I'm old-fashioned, but to me, it's like if there is systemically bad news across, um, over and over again, and it's not affecting the price, that is one imperfect way to see, okay, have we hit rock bottom? Have we, when have we hit the trough, right? It's like, well, what if, like to determine with crypto, what if the second biggest exchange in the world imploded? What if the CEO of the biggest exchange in the world uh, was facing jail time, right? Or significant financial penalties re as reported. What if you had something like Terra Luna and all of these things keep happening and what more needs to happen? And, and, and yet crypto prices are, are doing, I mean, they're in the top like couple percentile in their history. Um, in terms of value. So, I mean, like that, like how, like why is the bad, systemically bad news not affecting the, you know, the price, which is based on anticipated future growth? Sam Blattis, co-founder, CEO of The Metacatalyst. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. That's it for today. And thank you so much for listening. Please remember to follow and get all our podcast updates as soon as they come out. This episode was produced by Doa Farid, Phil Green, and Arthur Edison. I'm your host, Cody Combs. <laughs>